for tuning in to the Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. If It Doesn't Pan Out by Barbara Smith Gold is in the top 10 ranking for most precious metals in the world. It is the most desirable of the top 10 globally because of its beauty, trading value, illustrious color, prestige, and symbol of power in every society. It is also versatile because it is malleable and can be molded into things such as jewelry, decorative items, art, coins, coding items, sculptures. The list is endless. It can also be used as a conductor of electricity and does not oxidize or tarnish. It also held the prestigious position of the gold standard for over 100 years, from 1870 to the 1970s, which meant that the paper currency was backed by the gold which a country had. Though it is no longer the standard, it is still acceptable as a form of currency and an international form of payment by all nations. Though there are certain places with more concentration of gold, such as Russia, South Africa, Australia, and the United States, it can be found around the globe. Panning for gold in the United States has a long history dating back to 1848 through 1852 and beyond during the Californian gold rush in Sierra Nevada and along the Northern California gold fields. However, gold has been used for centuries dating as far back as 4000 BC. We know it was extensively spoken of and used during the biblical times and is written of in innumerable historical accounts as well. Egypt benefited from it greatly and used it to fashion their idols. In California, John Stutters, Carpenter, James W. Marshall found a few gold flakes one day by chance while building their sawmill. Though they vowed to keep this their secret, the word got out quickly. Ultimately, the gold rush grew to over 300,000 fortune seekers. The quest for wealth and status brought prospectors in by the droves from thousands of miles away through dangerous conditions. However, many of those who did make the voyage died from mining accidents, diseases, or murder during those few years. The days were long and the work arduous squatting at the water with a pan scooping and sifting the sand all day in the sun is no easy task and the same goes for working in a dark mine wielding a pick or hammer all day 
The prospect of eventually finding something valuable probably played a part in keeping the gold seekers going. Samuel Brannan is known as the first millionaire recorded west of the Mississippi during the gold rush in California. However, he was not a prospector. He had arrived in California a year before the rush began. He made his fortune capitalizing on the needs of the miners. He was a journalist and a newspaper man with connections and one of the first to publicize the gold rush. He was a store owner as well who beat out the other shops around him, then increased the prices after the miners had no choice but to stop at his establishments for their necessities. Though not at all ethical, very entrepreneurial. One example of his dealings was that he could buy mining pans for 20 cents and sell them for $15 each. One might say that was highway robbery, but how would a person pan for gold without a pan? Moreover, they had to eat and purchase other supplies as well. Within a year, he had become a millionaire. He invested his money in many things, including a resort and spa within the Napa Valley, and he founded the Napa Valley Railroad. Sad to say, as often happens, his wealth was his making and his breaking and he died a pauper because of his own philandering. Another example of someone who gained their wealth during the gold rush years is George Hurst. Though he was lured to California in 1850 because of the gold rush, he first mined quartz and later silver, which did extremely well in building over a third of his personal fortune. He became very wealthy and had accumulated $19 million at his death in 1891 at age 71. He also served two terms on the U.S. Senate. If anyone reading this has ever worn a pair of Levi blue jeans, you might recognize yet another name from that era, Levi Strauss. He emigrated to San Francisco during the gold rush years, not as a gold seeker, but as a dry goods wholesaler. Levi Strauss and Company formed a partnership with Jacob Davis, a local tailor in 1873, who was a customer of his and had bought denim material from him for many years. They received their first patent on May 20, 1873, for putting rivets into men's work pants at the points of strain to make them last longer. This was the birth of Levi Blue Jeans. Levi being the businessman and Davis was the creator. During the gold rush, it is said that they could not make overalls fast enough for the demands of the miners. This was 148 years ago and they are still on the market today. Many who already had prominent and successful careers left their businesses and went west, drawn by the gold rush. Among them was Daniel Nower, a physician from New Albany, New York, Sir Henry Veal Hutley, a British naval officer and colonel administrator, Linville John Hall, a printer from Hartford, Connecticut, and Samuel McNeil, a shoemaker from Lancaster, Ohio, just to name a few. French, Portuguese, Swiss, British, Germans, and many other countries were all represented.
If not looking to make a fortune, they were curious enough to want to see firsthand and have firsthand knowledge of what was happening in California. Their journeys were not easy, quick, or without hardships. They did not live in the world of transportation that we do today, yet they somehow felt compelled to go west. So the question is posed, what if it doesn't pan out? This expression originates right here with the gold prospectors. What would they do if they failed? And what do we do if our hopes and dreams do not turn out as we had imagined they would or thought they should? Let me ask another question. If you bake a cake and it falls flat or breaks apart, do you give up cooking? If you get your long-awaited dream job and you do not succeed or climb the ladder as you had hoped, do you quit working altogether? Disappointments are unfortunately a part of everyone's lives. We must keep going forward. Though it seems cliche, we must follow this motto. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. If we are to live a life of contentment, we must control our lives and not be controlled by our circumstances. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6 tells us, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Does this scripture alone mean there is always food on the table? Not necessarily, but having contentment in all things gives us the confidence that God is going to be there for us and lead us in the right direction and provide for us. Philippians 4 verse 11 through 13, Paul tells the saints, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Jesus told a follower in Luke 9 verse 62, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. We must have stick Then if things do not pan out or they end badly, it is not because we did not put forth the effort. Why would a gold seeker travel miles to the gold rush through many adversities and then refuse to take a pan down to the river to pan for the gold? That man will never know if he would have struck it big or not because he did not try. Matthew 10 verse 22 says, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. This verse adds two additional nuances to the equation. The most obvious one that would stand out to most people is the endurance. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3 echoes his thought though, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But the prior verse starts out by saying, Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, just as in Matthew chapter 10. There are going to be hardships and trials, things whether in the Christian walk, in a job situation, or in our relationships, may become scary, disheartening, and very burdensome, but we must press on. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 through 14 states, 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You cannot be moving forward while you are looking backward. You must forget the past and stop trying to change it. God has a purpose for you in the present. History cannot be changed. That is a part of its core definition. And living in the what-ifs will not budge it at all. The ribbon and the prize are ahead of you at the end of the race, not behind you. We must press on. None of us have made it to the end yet. If it's not panning out, lay down the pan and rest a while. But don't abandon the pan. Come back tomorrow and see if any flakes of gold have come down the riverbed during the night, or a nugget might have been unearthed. Second Timothy 4 verse 7 through 8 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not only to me, but unto all them also that love his appearing. It is going to be worth all the effort we put in. I have often told my children, if you're driving down the street and you see a beautifully manicured yard, or a nicely kept store, or a wonderfully sparkling pool that looks so inviting, it is because someone has put in some hard work to maintain it. Things in life don't just happen. Hard work is involved, but it is worth all of the effort when we receive the reward of our labor. The reward for those who till the soil, plant the seed, weed the garden, and pick the produce is wonderfully fresh food on their tables daily. Your reward might be the paycheck you receive after a long month of work or a wonderful swim in that pool you have kept so pristinely, or a relaxing evening on the front porch of that beautiful home you have maintained, or our heavenly prize that the Lord is reserving for us if we finish the race and faint not. Galatians 6 verse 9 tells us, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And Psalms 128.2 makes this statement, For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. God is faithful. Do not be discouraged. It looks like things are going to pan out after all. Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Until next time, God bless.